the cream always rises to the top. So if you're an artist and you're hardworking and you believe in what you do and you're speaking your truth, you'll eventually get there. And that's the great thing about being in this industry for 20 years is it's only now that I'm seeing artists from like 10, 15 years ago who were just grinding and putting in the work. They're getting recognition or they're successful and they're happy. Like the cream rises to the top. I truly believe that. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to The Daring Podcast. My guest today is the contemporary art gallery director and incomparable, lovely human, Nikki Yakovella. Nikki has worked for galleries and art fairs in the visual arts industry for over 15 years in Australia and the U.S. She's produced exhibitions for Art Basel, the Affordable Art Fair, and currently Peter Freeman, Inc., among many others. Her knowledge of the creative industry runs as deep as her love for supporting artists. I'm so excited to dig into all of this with her. You'll hear about what it takes to run a gallery business today, patterns she's seen emerge within the industry, and how she got into the game in the first place. Let's get to it. Nikki, I'm so happy you're doing this. Welcome. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Tell us what you're up to. I am currently managing director of an art gallery in Soho, New York called Peter Freeman Inc. Mm -hmm. We have been in this space on Grand Street since 2012. Before that, Peter started the gallery on Broadway and Prince back in the 90s. I've been working here since January. Mm -hmm. So it's been fun. Can we go through what it takes to run a gallery day to day? Okay. Gallery day to day life can be intense. It's about managing people. It's all about relationships and people. I manage a team of about 15. So a lot of my time here is spent listening to problems as they arise and helping them solve them. My role as managing director, I do speak a lot with the artists, but we have sales directors and other people who do more of that. Mm -hmm. So my role is to make sure that our team runs smoothly and we all have the same goals in mind we have to open a show or have to set up an art fair booth my role is to just make sure everyone's on the same page and doing their job so when you look at building your team to support a creative enterprise like this what kind of hands on deck do you need good work ethic Mm -hmm. someone who's willing to jump in even though it's technically not in their job description i mean sometimes shit happens and someone's away and like I need people to step in and do the job. Mm -hmm. I'm always open to collaboration, people having ideas and putting them forward on the table. That's always great. Not to say that we always go with them, but I try to create an environment that there's no bad idea. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. Hard workers. The people that you work with, do they have a background in art? Are they creatives themselves? Yeah, a lot of the team here, they're artists themselves. Mm -hmm. Some aren't. It varies, but a lot of them here do tend to be. Even our bookkeeper is a visual artist. So Mm -hmm. I'm constantly surrounded by creative people, which is what I knew interested me way back. 
I'm glad you opened up that subject because I'm so curious what brought you to present day. Uh huh. I studied art history at university. I grew up in Australia. Mm-hmm. I studied art history in Brisbane at the University of Queensland. Brisbane is my hometown, so I can say it, but you know, it's not the most culturally forward place. But during those university years, I was exposed to a lot of art, whether it be ancient Rome or, mm-hmm. um, you know, the abstract expressionist movement of the 60s. So I, I learned a lot, and that was interesting to me. What wasn't interesting to me is putting paint on canvas or Mm. anything like that. It was the business side of things that I took an interest in. So from there, I started looking at commercial art galleries in Brisbane, which at the time there wasn't that many. Mm -hmm. And so I sent a letter and said, (laughs) in the post, Uh (laughs) and uh, said, look, I'm willing to intern for free. And then... Were you in college at this time? I was in college and then... I interned for a gallery that's no longer there called Fox Galleries in Brisbane. And it was really that that fed the machine Mm -hmm. because it was a much smaller team. I mean, there there were maybe three or four of us. So I did speak with the artists who were some of them are good friends now. Mm -hmm. I did see the business behind it all. I did have to like stuff envelopes with invitations, put a stamp in it and send it out. You did it all. I did it all. Yeah. And then seeing the final product, which is an art gallery opening. I mean, that's what, that's what I do now. Yeah. And now looking back, I mean, that was 20 years ago. I look back on that time and I can appreciate that was a moment in time where some artists now are quite famous. There was the late nineties Brisbane, some of the street art that was happening. We brought that into the commercial gallery realm and it sold. So it's not for nothing. Even though you think you're a little gallery in Brisbane, we can look back 20 years later and we see, oh, well, that guy showed in that group show and look where he is now. So it's kind of cool. I love, I feel what you're saying so hardcore because (laughs) anything that we do... Yeah, you never know what effect you're gonna have and how it's gonna resonate down the line. And sometimes it doesn't have an effect, but it could be a byline in a book that's in this library that you never know. But I look back on that time now, that place was meant for me then. Mm -hmm. And so then after college, I moved to Melbourne, which was a bit more culturally forward. And then I continued my postgrad where I really got into the nitty gritty of art business and then worked for commercial galleries had a little museum stint there for a while, opened up my own space for a very short time. Wait, talk to me about that. I had no idea you did (laughs) that. That's amazing. It was was interesting timing around, you know, just before the financial downturn. Can we pause there for a second? Because it takes a lot of gumption to open up your own thing. Yeah. Talk to me. It was a cool space. It was in the middle of Melbourne CBD. We called it Untitled. Uh huh. It was on the fifth level of a building with no elevator, which kind of pissed a lot of people off. It's not like here where we're kind of used to that. There, it's not Mm -hmm. so much. I think we lasted two years and we showed some really great artists. Did you have partners? I did. I had one partner. Okay. What was your role? His was more background. I was the running of the gallery. Okay. I mean, I did everything. You ran the ship. I ran the ship. <laughs> I mean, it was a bit of a much smaller ship, so it wasn't that. Would you ever do that again? I don't know. I get asked this all the time. Yes and no. Yes, I would. No, I don't want to do it by myself. Purely financially, I don't you, mm, you need mm-hmm. the money that you need to back that. And yes, I would if the right people wanted to collaborate. Mm-hmm. What kind of collaboration would be the dream? I don't know. That's a good answer. I don't know. Yeah. 
yeah it may not ever happen but yeah <laughs> and that's fine yeah but yeah the thought of running my own space does interest me and excite me but I know the hard slog mm-hmm. especially here in New York City yeah so talk to me then about the New York City gallery space I moved here in 2009 and got not out of any particular plan or goal. Again, it's just how it happened. I got employed by an art fair company. Mm -hmm. So my first introduction to the New York or the US art gallery market was via art fairs, which I think is very helpful. Mm -hmm. You get to learn a lot of galleries. You get to learn about their programs. You're not just stuck into one thing. And I also really honed my skills in event management and managing people because that's essentially what this is. So the New York art scene, I mean, it it changes every day. I mean, we were just talking about Chelsea galleries moving down to Tribeca, but, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. Those Tribeca galleries were there Mm -hmm. 30 years ago, 40 years ago. So everything is becoming cyclical. Yeah. The two things I think that I see the most, especially in museums, is representation. So much more an awareness of diversity, which never, like even five years ago, we weren't even talking about as much as we are today. So African-American artists, female artists. So that is a really big push and conversations that we are more aware about these days. Who do you think is driving those conversations? In the commercial gallery? Yeah, see? yeah. I mean, I always liked the ones who did it way before it became this thing to do. Mm-hmm. So I think galleries like PPOW, they've always been in the forefront of that. Mm-hmm. And I admire them for that. When I think of the traditional gallery world, mm-hmm. what comes to mind is this idea of pedigree, privacy. Mm-hmm. If you're part of it, great. If you're not a part of it, then you're not a part of it. Mm-hmm. It's been regarded that way for a yeah. really long time. Yeah. So, But what I'm noticing is that the world is moving in a different direction. Things are opening up. Things are more democratic. Sure. The level of entry into being represented or selling your artwork is not as much of a barrier. Right. Because people can represent themselves. Bushwick Artist Studios, you know, like artists run spaces. I mean, they've always been around in some shape or form, but artists are certainly taking it into their own hands. And of course, Instagram. Yeah. An artist has an Instagram account and they're their own marketers. It's totally shifted the thinking it has this whole business it has how do you regard that yeah there's still something to be said about an artist who has gallery Mm. representation and a gallery who can represent them in the best way possible i mean you have to take it on a case-by-case basis some artists are excellent sellers Mm. and are excellent technologically and don't think twice about putting themselves out there but other people they can't do that they don't feel comfortable doing that Mm. they won't do that so so the role of the gallery is still essential. And I'm not just saying that because I work in one. Mm-hmm. Putting them forward and placing work in museums, working on publications, stuff for legacy in this day and age of instant gratification. I think legacy is really key. Yeah. 
I agree with you. Yeah. So a gallery can really help with that and steer them in certain directions or put them Mm -hmm. in certain museum shows that will give them a legacy. It sounds like your purpose is very much attached to the path of the artist. You're intertwined. Yeah. That's why we're here sitting in this room. I mean, it's because of the artist. It's number one. Yeah. Like my day to day sometimes can get a bit tied up with general management Mm -hmm. of people and things and money, but it is the artists that put us here. So I have to. Yeah. And I want to. What part of that moves you? What part of nurturing an artist's career moves you? Seeing the satisfaction. You've been doing this for a really long time. Yeah. And you seem very attuned uh-huh. to what it takes uh-huh. to help grow somebody's career in the arts. So there must be something beneath it all that fulfills you. Sure. I mean, it's sharing the work with other people who may not have access to it. So here we are turning it around again. So when you see an artist's work in a museum... Mm-hmm. And you see thousands of people walking past this work every day. You know that you've had something to do with making that accessible for Mm -hmm. everyone. And that's key. I love that bit. It's like, oh, yeah, I remember when we sold that to such and such. And here it is five, ten years later. That's cool. That is very cool. Yeah. I mean, it happened. I was in Australia just for the summer and I worked in an an Australian Aboriginal art gallery in Melbourne Mm -hmm. and I went to the Queensland Art Museum. And I remember, I mean, I remember writing these invoices back in 2005 and lo and behold, here they are. And my daughter could see it. And that's cool, too. Yeah. It's like you're creating access to culture by helping move precious objects around and creating awareness. Yeah, right. And that awareness, it's awareness. People may not like it or respond to it. It might make people uncomfortable, but it's making them feel something that they wouldn't have probably felt had they not seen it. Mm. Yeah. And therein lies the key, my friend. (laughs) Because I don't think art is meant to be ornamental, necessarily. Yeah, I mean, again, if we talk about how much the art world has changed, going back to that question. Let's do it. (laughs) I mean, it can be ornamental. It can be purely financial, which sometimes is a really hard pill for us to swallow, but... Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say there aren't clients out there who buy something. They don't put it in their lounge room or in their bedroom. They put it in storage and may not see it for 10 years or maybe flip it in 10 years or even less. So it means something different to everyone. But for me, it is Mm. sharing of the artist's vision that I like. Mm, That's beautiful. That's why I think galleries are important because you get to learn the artist's vision. We're spokespeople for that. In the best case scenario, it's a symbiotic relationship. Not to say they aren't rife with like any relationship problems and people move on. Artists leave galleries, galleries drop artists. I mean, this happens. Mm -hmm. And sometimes artists get too big for some galleries. And, you know, we see that a lot. Or sometimes artists get pinched by bigger galleries. How do you move through that? How do you negotiate that? Sometimes you can't. Can you give me an example? You know, a mid-career artist Mm -hmm. that a mid-level gallery has been working on their career. It it does happen that one of these mega galleries Mm -hmm. will take them after all the foundations have been set. You know what I mean? They get them just at the brink of their career. And Mm -hmm. it's not a complaint. I mean, I get it. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what you can do about that. It's totally up to the artist again. Mm -hmm. And let's be honest, money is a driving force, exposure. Mm -hmm. Artists want to be exposed. Mega galleries have a bigger audience. 
audience. Mm-hmm. There are pluses and minuses everywhere because I imagine the type of attention an artist would get at a smaller gallery is so much richer and more intimate yeah. than at a bigger, more established corporation. True. I would think so. Yeah. But I mean, it's crazy. I mean, you can see galleries that have been around forever close because one or two of their artists have been poached. They're like mm-hmm. the one or two artists that keep the lights on. And if they go, you kind of have to start from the beginning. But if you have a staff of 15 or whatever, and it's a tough one. Yeah. If you ask me how the New York art world has changed, I feel it's more cutthroat than ever before. Yeah. How does one navigate through that? You ride with the punches and you don't get attached to any particular outcome. Mm, sounds very Buddhist of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really mean learning that lately. So dive in a little bit deeper. As you know, we're all about studying vulnerability and what it takes to Uh push ourselves and embrace some things that might be uncomfortable and hard. Yeah. Depends on the situation, obviously, but you find, and you may not do this immediately, it might take you a couple of days or weeks to lick your wounds, but then you (laughs) find the... Where's the opportunity in this? And then sometimes down the track, you look back and something awful that happened turns out to be like when you look back on it, you're like, oh, okay. Find the opportunity and learn from it. Don't make the same mistake twice. Yeah. That's the key. Because life is going to screw you. Totally. I mean, the ups and downs of my career are huge. But when I look back, things turned out how they had to turn out. What gives you the fuel to be so optimistic? Like reap the benefits even of the shit situation. Just don't stop. Don't let yourself be swallowed up in how things should have worked out but didn't. I love that so much. Don't give people the satisfaction. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) the best revenge is doing good. Allow yourself a moment to feel your feelings, but really you can't let it weigh you down. The world is so big. Mm -hmm. There's so many more opportunities. It sounds like you're operating and thinking from a place of plenty. There are more opportunities out there. I guess that I am a bit spoiled in the city where I live. Mm -hmm. because there are a ton of opportunities here so that also does have a factor into it but yeah there's so much more out there so sometimes roadblocks you just don't get caught up in what could have been yeah do you think this applies to any of the artists that have approached this gallery but haven't been able to work with you yeah absolutely and people that i've interviewed or for particular jobs and then hasn't happened there is a place for them somewhere Mm -hmm. it's tough you gotta you know pull your socks up (laughs) Pull your socks up. Get on with it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. Talk to me about this Instagram thing. There's a place for it. It's cool that I can hashtag an artist Mm -hmm. and see what they're doing or where they're showing. Or if there's a museum in Rio that I can't get to, I can go on their page and see install shots or look up their location and see what people are taking pics of. That's really cool. Yeah, that's really sweet. Right. Have you discovered talent through Instagram? No. I hear stories, but it's never happened to me mm-hmm. personally. But I'm open to it. Yeah. On the downside, it's like quick gratification. Attention spans are short. It's based on how many followers you have, which really, as we all know, doesn't mean nothing. 
Mm-hmm. But I think in that aspect, the cream always rises to the top. So if you're an artist and you're hardworking and you believe in what you do and you're speaking your truth, you'll eventually get there. And that's the great thing about being in this industry for 20 years is it's only now that I'm seeing artists or even people that I used to work with or didn't work with from like 10, uh-huh. 15 years ago. Some who were like all the shit back then, they're like, where are you now? And the other ones who were just grinding yeah and putting in the work they're getting recognition or they're successful and they're happy like it's just put in the work if you believe in it you will and the cream rises to the top I truly believe that louder for the people in the back I feel that's so (laughs) hardcore seriously it's true I couldn't have said that 10 years ago because you didn't have the context right right but now you have the 2020 hindsight you can say and I'm sure I'll be saying it more and more as the older I get yes yes but it's really true quality matters and passion and interest and drive and hard work matters it's digging deep it's digging deep even when like we said we get these roadblocks and we don't want to dig deep you fucking have to (laughs) man like you have to yeah yeah. There's a difference between being introspective and asking yourself the tough questions and showing up every day and then hustling. And I'm doing air quotes. Yeah. There's a mindfulness aspect. It's key. 90% of it is showing up. Mm-hmm. You know, like. Ben Tyree, he's come on the podcast and talked yeah. about the same thing. Yeah. How like you could be a creative of any sort or work in your case, work mm-hmm. with creatives. Mm-hmm. You, of course, don't start out being great at what you do, but how would you ever know how far your potential can reach if you don't show up every day? Yeah. You have no, you don't give yourself a chance to get better if you don't show up. Absolutely. And showing up can be hard. I think going back to Instagram and instant gratification, I think these days we might expect to just be successful all the time because that's what it looks like people do we know that's bullshit (laughs) but there is this sense of showing up every day that's key is that something that you find yourself talking about with budding artists who might approach you about representation and you're not quite ready to embark on a relationship with them of course and i would give them other avenues Mm. you know so maybe if i do see their work and i'm like oh that could fit in another gallery. Like I never promise anything, but if I can make an introduction, Mm. I will. I mean, the community is big. If they're an artist that I think would work in a particular gallery space or artist run space, I'm happy to put that together. Whether or not it works is another matter. Right. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I think art can be especially finicky because people are very subjective. They're very subjective. It's not measurable necessarily. It's not like you go to the dentist and you're like, okay, I had my cavity filled. True. A hundred percent success. And also what sometimes when we're in it, we forget is not all the time, but some of the time artists are basically putting their soul out on a canvas or in a Mm -hmm. sculpture. It's not, we're not just talking about teeth. Right. So this body of work could be representative of some really dark times they were going through three years ago and they're now only now getting the guts to say, this is it. I mean, I see that a lot with artists. They work on a show for five years Mm -hmm. and it brings up a lot of memories. And then all of a sudden it's up hanging in a gallery space. What does that feel like for you? I think that's a question for the artist. I'm very conscious of it, Mm -hmm. but I cannot even begin to know what they're going through. 
if anything, I think some artists get very detached. Mm -hmm. There's a process that they go through and that they eventually know. And I guess I'm talking about represented artists Mm -hmm. that they eventually know that it's going to be out there. It's a very vulnerable space for them. It can be for some I'm sure they're empowered for some. They're like, I don't want to see this ever again. Mm, I mean, mm-hmm. for some, I'm like, I don't think I want this for sale. Depends on the person. Yeah. Yeah. How did you cultivate this hyper awareness? Because not everybody has it. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm into that. And I guess I've seen, I've worked with enough artists over time. Mm-hmm. There's always a sense of excitement in the air for me in the lead up to mm-hmm. a show So I often wonder if I'm feeling this nervous energy, and I mean nervous in a good way most of the time, Mm -hmm. what is the artist feeling? Do you have those conversations with the artist? Yeah, sometimes. Most of the times they're happy, Mm -hmm. I have to say. There's relief. Yeah. But people are different. Some will come late or some won't show up to their openings or some will just hide in the back room, whereas others will like Instagram the shit out of it. And (laughs) so it's, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. Yeah, we all cope differently. Yeah, and it's about human connection. Right. Like your ability to be open enough to somebody and read their vibe is probably what helps you do a great job, like be a great gallery manager. Yeah, the vibe reading is key, especially with staff as well. Like, you know, bringing it to all different levels, you have to be aware. Yeah. So what kind of stuff are you seeing out there that you're really psyched about? I really enjoyed Jess Johnson's show at Jack Hanley Gallery last week. Tell me about it. She's a New Zealand artist. Her attention to detail is second to none. She's also incorporated tapestries that she's done with her mother Mm. and um, some virtual reality videos as well. Tapestries and virtual reality video. Holy cow, she runs the gamut. (laughs) I was like, oh, that's that's good. So I enjoyed that. And uh, yeah, I'll keep it at that. After summer in the first week of fall, like is a really exciting time to be in New York City. Mm. Galleries are opening up. It's like the September issue. That fall show is, you know. Yeah. What shows do you guys have coming up? Can you talk about that? Sure. We currently have Franz Erhard Walter. He's up until October 26. And then we have Mel Bochner to see us out through the year, which is going to be great. And then we have Fiona Tan for January, February video installations, which is what we're really working on now and trying to figure out logistically how we do that. Blocking out light, Mm -hmm. projectors, you know, all that type of stuff. This is one of the first video-heavy installations that you guys are doing in this space? Yeah, it's one of the few. It has happened before. She has shown here before, but it's definitely not the norm. Mm -hmm. So what do you do to figure out how to best showcase her work? Uh, Yeah, ask me in like... (laughs) (laughs) I love that. You're like, I'm going to figure it out. I have no answers now. We have have a rough sketch from the artist of where she wants things to go and Mm -hmm. where the team are currently researching projectors and stuff like so nice it's gonna be great it's gonna be oh i know this for a fact like it's gonna be great there'll be some ups and downs sure that's a given (laughs) (laughs) but we'll open on time yeah yeah that's amazing yeah so those things i know is there anything i haven't asked you that you want to talk through the new york art scene if you say that to people if you even if you come into this gallery space Mm -hmm. you can feel a bit intimidated tell me why don't take it all too seriously like the work is serious at times but it's here to be seen 
Mm-hmm. So don't get caught up in this feeling that it's not for me. Mm. Yeah, that's a tough narrative. It's a tough one. I get it. I think it's the romance and the hardcore narrative that's part of the New York vibe. Then you come in here, it's the really tall ceilings, mm-hmm. it's the columns mm-hmm. and the echoes that you hear in the mm-hmm. space. Mm-hmm. You hear every little creak. Oh, yeah. It's just, I can see how this space can feel beyond anything anybody can embody. Right. Let that go, man. Yeah. Let that go. (laughs) Yeah. You have to. You'll learn something about this guy that's showing and you might, that something might resonate. Don't let the uncomfortableness stop you. Mm, I love that so much. Yeah. I don't think uncomfortableness is a word. Discomfort. Yeah. Yeah. Don't let the discomfort stop you. Like ask questions or not. You don't have to ask questions, but yeah, explore and read. Yeah. I think that kind of shift in perspective, it's like going from I'm an outsider coming in as a spectator, which can feel uncomfortable Mm -hmm. for some people, Mm -hmm. changing that mindset to I'm a part of this. I am just a human being and I'm enjoying whatever exhibition or conversation I'm having about the arts with the person. And you don't have to like it as well right (laughs) if you come in and you see a show and you don't like it okay cool that's good yeah you had a reaction to something new and we're not all just breathing down your neck you know (laughs) we're not just not going to talk to you if you don't buy anything either i mean i think there are also stereotypes in the art world that you kind of have to let go of there's a warmth there and there's an energy there and for people who are truly passionate about what they'll do they'll give you time to speak about what's going on or the show or the artist or something like that so what comes to mind as you're saying all this is all the art fairs yeah i mean i mean you worked for art basel the affordable art fair not just worked for them you've managed and built exhibition after exhibition Uh uh uh-huh So the mindset that you're talking about very much makes me think of that because I think the vibe at an art fair and my closest frame of reference is APAD because I went to that every year. It's just the vibe is so much looser. You know, there's a lot of buzz. There's a lot of foot traffic. So things in a way are much more accessible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, working for Art Basel was incredible. We we put amazing shows together and to see how they handle the volume of people in an area with some of the most expensive artworks on the planet is extraordinary. The art fair does give you a space to be exposed to a lot, Mm -hmm. sometimes a bit too much. It can get very overwhelming. And then art fair fatigue can set in and you really don't know where you are. But yeah, art fairs are important. I think so. Yeah. I mean, there's everyone will always poo-poo them. but Because <laughs> it's a lot of work. Yeah, it's a lot of work. I find that more now working on the other side than I did mm-hmm. working for an art fair company. I mean, we're well in the midst of trying to figure out Art Basel Miami. Mm. and all the logistics that go with that. It's a lot of work mm-hmm. for galleries that have small teams. It would be great. Yeah, but and I like do... I said, like we'll get there, we'll put a booth together, we'll open on time. <laughs> like I know this for a fact. It's just the bumps, yeah. <laughs> the ups and downs. While you're surfing them beautifully. Yeah, it's all about the surf, man. <laughs> it's the Australian in me. I'm like... You got this. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. and when you don't, just feel like you do. Do it anyway. Do it anyway. That's the big takeaway from this conversation for me. Take a risk. Fortune favors the bold. I always go back to that saying and don't get it attached to certain outcomes. 
Good stuff. Thank you so much for doing this. It was a pleasure. It was fun. Thank you for coming here. I had a nice time. Thank you so much for listening to The Daring. Look out for future episodes where we'll continue to share inspiring talks with creative people who are forced for good. Subscribe to The Daring through your favorite podcast app and check out thedaring.co for more in-depth articles. I'm your host, Iwana Friedman. If there's a topic you'd like us to cover, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at info at Until next time.